0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to what is called episode 26 uh, of Thelma and Tom Look Left. What I've realised is that I missed out episode 24. Um, I'm not sure what to do about that, Thelma. I don't know whether to kind of have 25A or I don't know how to deal with it at all. I've been worried about it all week.
1: I think we could have escaped that tom because i hadn't noticed so if I <laughs> have... <laughs> i'm sure our listeners probably haven't
0: <laughs> oh well perhaps I, I shouldn't have brought that up anyway I, it, I, it just doesn't look right on the screen anymore but I, I i'm sure i can come to terms with it um okay so yeah great to be here again and we're going to have a little chat before our guests arrive um, yeah, Thelma, lovely to see you again. And uh, I understand you're a, it's a little bit chilly up at your house at the moment.
1: Hi, Tom. Good to see you. Um, yes, I, yeah, I've, I've got a woolly jumper. on, I've got about three on um, because our, our boiler packed up last night, and um, you know, typically just before Christmas. And uh, we're waiting for some parts to get it repaired properly. But uh, we've got quite you know high ceilings and things in this house, and it is pretty cold. So, um, so I might at the end of this episode have icicles on the end of my nose, but. Uh, Anyway, I'm fine. It's, have it, you, yeah. have you had
0: a bloke come round and look at it, Thelma.
1: Yeah, yeah, but we need the parts, and it was one of those, you know, where they're, the, you know,
0: I'm
1: really bad as well because um, I make I make Rob, my husband, feel really inadequate because my dad was a plumber, oh. and I'm being really unhelpful saying things like, "Oh, my dad would have had this sorted," you know, <laughs> which, is, which is really sexist of me as well. Really, because I mean, I should be able to sort it as well as Rob, well, exactly
0: exactly well, my I'm, just, um, I'm just
1: making I, him feel inadequate saying so, dad would have repaired this fine
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I well I hope you get it sorted I mean sometimes that, that needing parts thing can be a nightmare especially well, if you've got some kind of rare boiler you know
1: yeah, it's quite an old boiler, um, really. So we, we do need to replace the boiler, but it's, it's been a good, you know, it's been worked perfectly well. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it, it is a bit chilly at the moment, but we're, we're fine. We're fine. And that, you know, I think about all the people who haven't got what we've got and uh, have absolutely no shelter at all at the moment, um, which is um which which makes me think this is nothing and put up with yeah, it. Um, that's a, that's a healthy up, way to put up that. and shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good.
0: I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, uh, we do take heat for granted, don't we? I remember when I well, probably the same for you. Um, when we were kids, we lived in flipping cold houses, didn't we? I used to oh, yeah. dread going to bed. It was so cold. And yeah, uh, but, I can
1: remember uh, being at my grandma's and warming up pennies. The ice was on the windows and warming up pennies and putting them against the glass in the windows to to melt the ice so you could see through the windows. It was so cold. Um, Yeah, when we were children, not everybody had central heating. Um, And uh, yeah, it used to be uh, loads of blankets on the bed and uh, uh, a glass of water would be frozen in the morning. (laughs) No, uh, and getting up to go to school was absolutely torturous. <laughs> we sounded like real old fogies
0: <laughs> anyway thelma it's 2021 it's december and uh, it's two years ago to almost two years ago this week isn't it that um the 2019 election i don't know if you'd want to share your thoughts about that yeah. a little bit yeah
1: yeah december the 12th two years ago and um it uh, yeah, I must admit on that day, um, on the anniversary this time, um, I mean, obviously now I'm through the morning stage and we're, we're organising and, uh, you know, as I say, these young politicians and, and activists are really giving me hope for the future. So I'm much more upbeat. But I must say that anniversary, because on your social media, on your Facebook, there's all these photos kept popping up of the different rallies and... Um, all the people the activists uh, the the ones who had supported me and and the the campaigns um, and worked so hard some wonderful people great socialists Um, and the pack rallies we had where we had a lot of the front bench um, shadow front bench common supporters in Cone Valley and and all of that came back to me and that well, the message was hope, you know, we have even the posters with it all, you know, and um, and um, I, I, I do feel a sadness. I know you can't hang on and I know a lot of the people who are now running Labour and, you know, would say, um, you know, move on, you're lost, you know, that kind of thing. But actually the country lost, in my opinion, that's what makes me sad. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it was democratic socialism that lost. Um, so, so... The twelfth, it, it did not as bad as the first anniversary, but um, the, the that anniversary will always always um, uh, affect me uh, quite deeply um, for for what could have been. Um, and I know you shouldn't dwell on it, but I think for that day, I, I did feel it. Um, I, I did feel it quite quite badly. Um, but we move on, and um, and uh, and we do hold on to those policies. Um, um, that were in the manifestos and uh, and have a belief in in the future generations of of politicians and activists that that we can change things. Uh, sadly, I don't believe within the Labour Party uh, currently we can. Um, but there was that chance, and it's just so sad that it, it, it didn't materialise. But uh, I still have hope for the future. Tom, still have hope.
0: Yeah, indeed. And I mean, uh, that that was a momentous four years we had there. And uh, my, my hopes, were I, I hung in there really right through the whole thing, just for a lot of the time thinking we were going to do it, you know. And yeah. um, it was really only towards the end of it that I thought they've got us, they've stitched us up here. And um, it was terribly sad. Uh, I mean, obviously not in the same way as for you, but it was. It was gutting because we knew then, we're, we're, it was going to be a big
1: struggle. Yeah, it, it was sad for me, but actually, I was more sad for some of the young activists who hadn't the experience I got. I knew a few weeks before the election that what was happening and, and what um, what the outcome was going to be, and I and knew. Um, and, and, but for some of the less experienced young activists who absolutely had worked so hard. That, that night of the, you know the count, I they were just so heartbroken. Some of them and I found myself consoling these youngsters um, uh, because I I had psyched up for it. I I knew it was still hard um, when when the result was announced. It was still hard, um, but it, it, what I felt for were these youngsters that had that had so much belief that we were going to win and we were going to deliver um, those transformational policies and they were heartbroken some of them literally crying you know um, and it I was comforting them <laughs> which was um uh, which was uh, yeah but uh, but as I say
0: there I mean, are lots you know, of positives to take away from there in that we we now know our strength in a way that there are there are an awful lot of us and we've yeah. got a massive conviction and a massive comradeship, really. And um, yeah. uh, I feel increasingly positive as we go along, and it becomes that's more perfect. and more clear that the alternative is absolutely not making it. You know,
1: no, that's um, right. We, we we do need to come together, and um, and and you know, the strength in, in unity and all that um, is is so important. Um, and I, I think we mustn't lose those policies because we we lost, but we weren't wrong. <laughs> Sorry to sound really stubborn, but we, we weren't wrong um, yeah. in those principles and in in in, in those policies. And, and even more, when you see the state of, of our country and our society at the moment, you know that, that most of those policies were... Um, Absolutely crucial for now, for the here and now, um, and even more radical policies are, need, are needed. I think, um, but um, but no, we mustn't we mustn't lose that as 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 socialists, and we we must try uh, and come together. And, and one of the positives as well, I think the left learned a lot from that experience, and I I think um, many on the left have, have toughened up a bit, really, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. in terms of, of of what is and isn't acceptable um and and um and this very clear on 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 what needs to be done um in the future um and and certainly i'm i'm in a personally in a stronger position in terms of my politics and what i believe and um and what i hope for um for future generations so um a lot to a lot to work for um and and a lot to organize um but i i believe we can do it I, i really do
0: yeah, I second all that, Thelma, and I'm I'm uh, as committed as I've ever been to to getting this to happen. And um, yeah, so let's hope. Uh, well, it's not it's not about hope really. It's I'm I'm just I know we've got to do it. We have got to do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes it's very easy to to kind of think, oh, you know, I'll just you know let other people sort this. Like that. But but as I've said before, socialism doesn't go away, does it? And the need for it. Um, and the vulnerable people, um, and a growing number of those vulnerable people, are still there. Um, and um, it's up to people like us, Tom, who have a platform of any kind, to use it um, and to speak out um, yep. about what's happening, and um, and and to and to use our, our position if we have a position, even as, as commentators. Um, uh, to help other people, because as I said again before, people don't always have a voice and they can't speak up for themselves, and they're just so ground down that they they, they haven't got the strength <laughs> uh, to to actually have their voices heard and speak up for themselves. So I feel I've got a personal responsibility, just as I did as a head teacher, really, for the children of my school to protect them, to make sure they were educated, and to and, and to represent them at times, you know um so I, th- I think that it comes from a background as well of that responsibility to those who are, are more vulnerable um which I'll carry on doing it's not something i'm gonna I'm gonna give up.
0: No well good, good on you Thelma and uh, hats off to you and i'm 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 just proud to be part of this podcast really. It's a great opportunity for me and it's my commitment has grown as we've gone along and uh and i'm i've started to think now about how we can make things you know more effective more you know get the thing happening i mean uh, one thing that always used to put me off politics was it was all talk and no action and you just can't have it like that it's pointless i mean you can talk forever and it changes nothing and well it's a
1: bit like Sorry, but I'm just coming in on that, Tom. You're quite right. Um, I mean, our chats help because sometimes it helps clarify things, and um, and and your support means a lot to me as well. Um, but I think sometimes you see people put things on Twitter and they say, "This is what we need to do," you know, <laughs> and and I'm, you know, I do it, I, you know, on, on Twitter and on social media. But actually, what I'm trying to do is not just put tweets out, but actually organize. In the background at the moment but i'm hoping you know in the new year that we we will be formalizing things uh, and sharing a little bit more about what we plan to happen um but yeah it's um it's kind of like that idea of um i I don't believe what you say because i see what you do kind of thing that you've got these people on twitter saying what we need is to do this and what what the government should be doing is this and you're thinking but how are you doing that? You yeah. know, that's all right, making these statements, but what are you doing? So what I'm trying to do is not I'm supposed to be a hypocrite and keep saying this needs to happen and criticising the government, criticising the Labour front bench. But actually, I am trying to use my, I suppose, organisational skills, strategic skills from my previous career to to bring people together and and to actually do something. And I think that's... That's the thing, because what a lot on the left are saying, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, yeah, this no, totally. I mean,
0: it's never been more apparent that this is now has got to the point where we have to do something. We cannot, yeah, it
1: can't, we Twitter, cannot it can't.
0: spend years and years talking about this. And yeah. if, if that's what it is well, uh, you know, I'm, I'll have to <laughs> find some other way. I mean, you do see people going, well, I've nothing to talk and we need direct action, and you see people saying, oh, it's time for the revolution, da 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 I think there's still stuff we can do uh, and we can actually, you know, do in, an, in a positive, peaceful yeah, way. in a
1: peaceful way, I mean, yeah, in a peaceful way, um, you know, to say you know this is not this is not what we um what we believe this is not what is right for the majority of the public um and i think there are ways peaceful you know uh, of, of peacefully peaceful protest um i mean the trouble is with this government that they're, they're going to take uh, with human rights attack on the human rights legislation is uh, you know really um scary um it's what you know clive lewis was talking about in the chamber this yeah. this week and um, speaking out against the threat um to to our rights um and peaceful protest as well you know and the and the uh, freedom to um to meet and to uh, and to protest i mean just a basic human right really um yeah. peaceful protest. um uh, so I, I think that's you know, something to watch, um, but um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, people are beginning to say enough. But you know, some keyboard warriors do are a bit irritating to me. <laughs> you, you know, you just think, you know, uh, well, you know. All right then, you you show you you, yeah, you yeah. lead the way then.
0: I, I sometimes am quite tempted to just say, "Yeah, can you tell me what we're supposed to be doing here?" Because yeah,
1: I, I want to say yeah. Well, some uh, come on then, farmer what you? <laughs> well, actually, I, I mean, you, you knew the number of meetings.
0: I understand it, <laughs> then farmer when you're.
1: What's going on? You know, when you're out doing... there in
0: the wilderness and you haven't got some kind of leverage or something. It's, yeah. It is so frustrating that you just kind of end up thinking, well, I, I've i got to just do something and I don't know what it
1: is. And yeah. um, people on Twitter and some great people on Twitter and, and they put some super stuff out and um, that shared. And, and I think there's lots of positives about that. But the ones that. I'm fed up with it, and you think, well, what are you doing
0: there? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I totally. It, it is. It's got to the point now where we have to come together, and and if we're not prepared to make those compromises or whatever we need to do to come together, well, then we've got to come up with some positive alternatives that are actually going to do something, not just stand on the sidelines and and yeah, it can't will take
1: it will take time and um i'd love to think i'd see it in my lifetime but maybe not um but at least we can start and it's the building blocks of something much bigger um and you have to start somewhere um so that's that's what i'm hoping is going to happen over the next year or two that those building blocks will be put in place and um and we'll bring more people on board with that um that that's the plan anyway and uh, hopefully I'll- there more um next next year now indeed
0: looking forward to it and uh, let's give it a give it our best shot okay Thelma that's brilliant so that's part one done and we've got a good guest coming along today so uh hang around Okay, part two of our podcast, uh, episode 26 of Thelma and Tom look left. And um, you if you've been following our podcast, you know Thelma gets the guests. And um, I can't believe some of the guests that she's got and uh, how overwhelmed I've been by them. But uh, she's really pushed the boat out this time. We've got Jeremy Corbyn for our Christmas special. So really looking forward to that. So I'll pass <laughs> it over to you, Thelma, and you can have a chat with Jeremy.
1: Yeah, no, thanks, Tom. And uh, welcome, Jeremy. Great to see you.
2: Lovely to see you too.
1: Yeah, I miss it's a shame you from being
2: in Parliament.
1: Yeah, well, it's a shame we're on Zoom and we can't be together, but uh, next best thing. Yeah. Um, so the last time I saw you was in Brussels and, and mm-hmm. perhaps we'll, we'll talk about that later. But one thing I did want to talk to you about, which I've, I've never really talked to you about, was um, how you got into politics, why you decided politics. You know about your... Your younger life and how it all started, and having having only been in Parliament for two and a half years, mm. I I just think that there's I mean there's lots of wonderful things, and and it was a privilege a privilege to serve uh, the people of mm. Comb Valley, but it's pretty brutal as well. And from what I know of you, Jeremy, you're such a kind person, and just um, I I just wonder how, how why politics and and when did it all start? When did you decide? You know, I, I want to
2: get involved. Um, God, that's a hard question. I never set out to be a politician. Yeah, I know you might find that hard to believe, but I never did. Um, I grew up in a, a small town in the Midlands in Shropshire, and um, I was at school... Um, uh, unsuccessful school career in a grammar school which I enjoyed the history and, and uh, some of the sport particularly the long distance running but not much else and the woodwork but a lot of it I didn't enjoy and I refused to join the cadet force and things like that so there was some degree of differences there and my abiding memory of my school career was the head teacher saying uh, on my last day there and you'll never make anything of your life goodbye <laughs> 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 so a really a real incentive to go out and do good in the world there um and so i duly left school and um but i i think he was probably quite annoyed with me because this was uh 1967 i was opposing the vietnam war i was refusing to join the cadet force i was um speaking out on quite a lot of things. And I I put a lot of energy into my speeches in the debating society. And um, then I went to Jamaica as a VSO, which was a big call by VSO. And I think looking back on it, It's not a great idea to send people so young to um, work in a country that they've never been to before. But anyway, I was sent there. My job was partly teaching and partly youth work. And um, I was fascinated by the place, by the experience. But think about it 18 year old from a small town in Shropshire, first time I'd ever been on a plane in my life or anything like that, landed in Kingston, Jamaica. And then a week later, I'm teaching geography to classes of 50 and 60 kids. Wow. So it's kind of a learning experience. And I was fascinated by them, by their lives, by the history, and by what was then termed the Black Power movement, which was becoming much stronger. And Walter Rodney came to Jamaica during that period. He was then deported. And so I developed... A love and support of the peace movement from my school days and environment because I lived in the country and loved the natural world and natural life. I really did. And um, anti-colonialism from the experience of Jamaica. And after that, I went off on my own round South America, which think about it was pretty stupid because um, I didn't know anybody. I didn't speak any Spanish then, and I didn't have much money, and I got arrested in most countries I went to because I kept joining demonstrations in various places. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, I survived, as you can see, and um, then came back to Britain and got more and more involved in political activity in Shropshire, because so I went back there for a while in uh, anti-racist campaigning and um, anti-cuts campaigning, but particularly anti-racist campaigning, uh, um, Stop the seventy-two and things like that. And um I had various jobs, lots of odd jobs. And then I've, I tried college for a bit, but that didn't work out. So I left after a very short time. And then I got a job as a research worker for the Tailors and Garment Workers Union and um, then moved to London to work with them. And then eventually I continued that sort of work and eventually became an organiser for the National Union of Public Employees, uh, organising school cleaners and school meals workers, like in your school where you you would have had members of NUPI, I'm sure. And um, then got... um, uh, became a councillor in Haringey for opposing a um, wholesale redevelopment of some streets, which I said should be rehabilitated, not knocked down. And it's quite nice that they're about 150 metres away from the office I'm now in. They're still there as a community and as streets. They were never knocked down. We won. Mm-hmm. Um and so I was very proud of that because it stopped this sort of crazy idea. You knock down everything. that's Victorian in order to replace it with concrete and glass that will last 50 years, if you're lucky. Um, and it, they were all rehabilitated and they're all there. And it's a fine road and it's a fine community. So yeah. um, and then I obviously became very active in the Labour Party, was then appointed agent for Hornsey and Wood Green, Hornsey as it then was. And then... Um, I was asked by people in Islington North if I would consider being put forward for the Labour candidate in 1981. And um, I thought about it and said, all right. And then I was eventually selected by four votes after about five ballots. And uh, here I am, and 40, forty nearly 40 years later.
1: What an incredible story. I didn't know a lot of that, actually, Jeremy. I didn't know that background. and And the word that comes to mind for me it's bravery the fact you were willing to take those risks you know even at a very young age and I think that's that speaks of leadership to me you know people who who been well, willing to-
2: you say risks but um far greater risks are taken by people every day just trying to feed their own families yeah and I, yeah. And I was in parliament yesterday when uh, the minister was delightfully telling us about the former RAF Manston being turned into a refugee processing centre. And uh, I objected to this on the grounds that these are people that have suffered unbelievable trauma and should be supported, not imprisoned, and they've risked all in order to survive. And so who are we to stand in judgement these are yeah. people who are just human beings and desperate. And they're the people taking the risk. And I was saying, you know, that for all this stuff in the media about refugees allegedly threatening us, the children now arriving in dinghies on the floor on the mm-hmm. coast of Kent, yeah. they're going to be caring for us when they become care workers, doctors, <laughs> teachers engineers that they're going to be the mainstay of our society in 20 years time Mm, yeah let's let's have a bit of humility about it all any of us you know us during this call could all be refugees in different circumstances
1: yeah bad stuff
2: happens bad stuff happens to people
1: yeah Tom and I have been talking recently a lot about the lack of uh, compassion and empathy with 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 a lot of politicians at the moment and I think that you know that that's at the root of it, what's happening in our society at the moment, and that walk a mile in my shoes type of thing, you know, it's um, it's really yeah. One, one thing, Can give you I-
2: one story about a refugee girl? Yeah, I met. yeah,
1: certainly. it was,
2: it so moved me. You may have heard it before. I was, I went to Syria before the war started in Syria with um, uh, Jenny Tong, who liberal here, a good friend, and um. We went to this refugee camp on the borders of Iraq and Syria. Um, And it was um, winter time. It took a long time to get there, we drove there. And we get to the border, and there's like a no-man's land between Iraq and Syria. And in this no-man's land, there was a refugee camp. So we were allowed to go into the camp. And... um, It was not huge, there'd be a couple of 300 people there. They were all Palestinian families and they'd suffered some most appalling problems fires in the tents, and people had died from fires in plastic tents. Imagine that. And they couldn't get out and they're stuck there. The UN were giving them some food, but not much, giving them some support, but not much. It was an unofficial camp and basically nobody knew what to do with them because they'd got out of Iraq, they couldn't get into Syria. They didn't want to go back to Iraq, or Iraq didn't want them. And so Jenny and I went all around the camp, and I sat down in this tent with this family, just talking to them all. And there was a young girl. She'd be about 14. And um, she's obviously very bright, very smart kid, but obviously in a desperate situation. And so then I said to her, um, if you don't mind me asking, what's your ambition in life? What do you want to achieve? And this is a fourteen-year-old girl in a tent in winter, with no obvious means of survival. And she looks at me and she says, "Sir, I want to be a doctor." So I said, "Why?" She said, "To look after people that are less well off than I am."
1: Mm-hmm.
2: She could yeah. be she could be treating you and me next.
1: Yeah.
2: Eventually, we actually there was a, a success in it. We did persuade the then Syrian government to admit them into a camp, and some of them appeared to have some sort of family connection to Canada, so they may have got there. But we got them out of that camp, and that was Jenny and I just thought it was the most useful thing we'd done for a long time. Mm, yeah,
1: what a story! Yeah, And but that's were- just one of. Yeah. Millions of refugee stories
2: yeah. all around the well, world. Well, I, I
1: for a number of years have worked with uh, Dash, which is destitute asylum seekers, Huddersfield, and mm. um and the clothing project, and um the inspirational people there who, many of whom are waiting leave to remain, you know, who have so many skills and so much experience that they could be. They could be um, sharing and offering to the community. But because of Sometimes
2: the they have skills that aren't easily transferable here. I remember one refugee family coming to me and they they got permission to stay and they wanted to get some work. And I said, what can you do? And this guy said, well, I'm a farmer. Remember, I'm the smallest, most urbanised constituency in Europe. So I said, well, <laughs> not a lot of farming openings around here. And I said, hang on a minute. What sort of farming did you do? So he explained that he'd been keeping goats and sheep. I said, okay, what did you do? He said, I made yoghurt. I said, got it. So I then got in touch with the city farm down the road who keeps some cows and goats, and he went straight down there to make yoghurt. Oh,
1: brilliant, brilliant. (laughs) Well, just before I hand over to Tom, I want to ask you one thing, Jeremy. What advice would you give yourself um, as a, a young person starting out in politics, what what would you, what advice would you give?
2: Set ambitions for causes, ambitions for people, but not for yourself, and yeah. go into it because you want to do it for others, not for yourself. Yeah. There's lots of attractions and there's lots of things mm-hmm. to divert you away from what you should be doing. You you've been in parliament, so you know what it's like, yeah, but yeah. you just remember you're only there on sufferance of a lot of yeah. people have put a lot of trust and faith in you so make sure you measure up to it
1: yeah what good advice and so needed at the moment so needed at the moment thanks jeremy i'll hand thanks, over Thomas. to tom
0: thanks <laughs> yeah great to hear you speak jeremy and uh just on a personal from a personal point of view i just wanted to thank you for what you've done over the years brilliant um i uh I didn't get involved in politics uh, in my life. I thought it was uh, just pointless crap, really. And um, it wasn't really until 2015 that, uh, well, you know, that's when it happened, started to happen for me. I mean, I used to observe it. But 2015, I suddenly thought, actually, there's something going on here that might change things a bit. And um, I got well, well into it for, well, I'm still well into it, I found the whole thing really shocking, Jeremy. Um, what happened and uh and I know a lot of and a lot of people got into it at that time. Uh obviously I got out of it at 2019, but I I'm I'm still reeling in shock really at how what a how desperately uh the, the, the way the establishment cl- cling on to power and what they did to us and uh it, it really, uh, there's a lot of people that have been really hurt by it. And I, I know Thelma said, let's not concentrate on the past and let's look to the future. But I just wanted to, well, I thought you were really brave. And um, I just hope we can carry on from here and really, you know, start to make it happen.
2: Tom, so many people have been very brave and stood up to the most unbelievable levels of abuse, sometimes at personal level, sometimes at community level, and many others when they've stood up for what we were trying to achieve, which is essentially peace, justice, human rights, uh, essentially an empathetic way of doing politics. And I realised, I always knew how powerful the establishment was and how the House of Commons is heavily influenced by all of that. Selma knows this from being there. Um, And the abuse that I received, others received, shows how contemptible uh, many of those people are in that they're trying to protect power and privilege. Because what was the threat we were making? To share wealth, to value every person in society, to value every child in society, and have an international strategy of not going to war, but instead trying to develop global peace and global solidarity. I know none of this is easy. Tell me about it. I absolutely know that. But um, you've got to start somewhere. And uh, despite all the media attacks and they were massive and I'm writing about it at the moment and the more I write about it the more I realize just how vicious it was although at the time it just feels like it's become the new norm you know you wake up every morning and there's a new pile of lies and abuse being told about me so you think oh well that's that's okay it's just it's what they do every day Um, but somebody who had been reading the Daily Mail all her life said to me she said you know what I know you, and now I know that papers lie. She didn't realize that before.
1: Yeah.
2: And that's is sometimes the personal account you get from people is actually more powerful and more moving. But, Tom, thanks for what you said. And uh, it's the solidarity of people, but it's also about exciting and mobilizing people. Now, people say to me, Well, we lost. And I said, Well, we didn't win the election. Of course, I know that. I know that better than anybody else. But we haven't lost. We've mobilised people. We've helped develop and frame that vision. And it's that vision that's not going to go away. And I get this more from young people, more than anybody else. Now, as you can see, I'm very young myself, but I, I, looked <laughs> old, I look older than I really am. You know
1: you
2: know, you know it goes. Um Hey, I'm so, the youngest on this call. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but it is young people that get a hard deal in our world. Mm-hmm. Listen, young people in Britain today, what are they getting? Massive debt. They've been to university, forced into private rented accommodation at massive expense and great deal of insecurity and often poor quality. They're not going to get the pensions that we get maybe they're not great but they're certainly going to get worse worse pensions and they've got the constant threat of having to pay for health and pay for education and pay for so much else uh, in life and what they're seeing is a diminution of the role of i prefer to call it the community than the state in public life it's like rolling back everything that was ever achieved in the past and so but they are I'm pleased to say more determined, and I think those that got involved in the environmental movement, in its widest sense, in the economic sense as well as the sustainability sense, um, are very motivated. So I, I think there's a lot to be very optimistic about, and I am very optimistic. And I, I, I was at um, Goldsmiths College on uh, on Monday morning. They had a. They've been on strike for three weeks. They've gone back now because the apparently negotiations going on but they'll come out again if they're not successful it's about defending jobs um, of the teachers <coughs> but it was absolutely huge meeting of teachers and students together now remember the students have all paid nine thousand pounds a year each to be there they've had no lectures the staff are obviously had no salary for three weeks why because of the jo- threat of jobs but because they believe in education for all and mm. it, i think it was a very powerful message and i I was honoured to meet these students and teachers on Monday at their, at their college.
1: It's great that you were supporting them, Jeremy, and it meant an awful lot to them as well. And what what you were just saying there about um, young people and the challenges they face, which, you know, our generation uh, took for granted a lot of those things yeah. that you mentioned, you know, like secure housing and there weren't tuition fees. Um, and I think that, you know, with young people, that recent polling shows that the policies that were in the manifestos in 17 and 19 a very popular, um, yeah. you, know, you know, like four-day week, and, the, yeah. of course, there's the broadband communism and all that, uh, that those policies, like 70% of people polled really like the policies, not just yeah. young people. That's across yeah. the board. Um, and they're still, and they, they need even more now. That's, that's the yeah. frustrating well, thing. Hasn't
2: COVID proved the value of society and community? And despite the best efforts of Boris Johnson and all the, and competence around him um it's uh, people that have got involved in mutual aid groups that have got involved in community centers and food co-ops and so on they're the ones that have bound communities together they're the glue of the community yeah. it's not
0: yeah. not the Tory yeah, yeah.
2: government handing contracts out to Serco. Mm, yeah so
0: we, tom and i were um, talking um jeremy i've heard you talk um you, you've got a much a broader vision than i have and it's good to hear you talking like you, you 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 look at the left worldwide and uh and and also you're on a different time scale to me in that you you play a long game and uh obviously lots of political experience that i don't have um for, for me it's like uh you know i'm thinking, I was saying to Thelma before you arrived. Actually, we need to get something to happen, you know. La, 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 la. Whereas I'm guessing you're thinking, well, it is happening, and I'm thinking, well, oh my God, look at the Labour Party, you know. Or um, I, I, I can't help it. I, it, I feel like we something has to, someone has to stand up, or we have to stand up and say, look, we're all still here. There's a, there's millions of us, actually. I mean, you. Um, yeah. yeah. Labour Party got over 10 million votes in 2019, yeah. despite all that crap that was thrown. And out. that was more
2: than we got in 2010, 2005.
0: Yeah. There's and a 2015
2: huge... general election as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a huge amount of people that, that yeah. want a, a, I don't know what you want to call it, a compassionate society. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just. You
2: can use the S word if you like, Tom. It's all right. <laughs>
0: uh yeah i mean basically yeah a socialist society uh what can we do is there something we can do rather than just kind of almost tread water i mean just felt like we were really not we i shouldn't even call myself in it really i was an observer that things were really happening and and now we've kind of got to the point where oh well someone's we've got to wait for something to happen again now, and you know uh, i'm i'm worried I am worried that the left will just be pushed to the side and uh, and, and w- our country will end up just like you know these two party states where both the parties are the same i don't know what i think that's
2: that's a fair point tom and i i kind of i understand where you're coming from what you're saying there that we've now got. Various pieces of legislation going through parliament that are deeply dangerous and unpleasant. The Borders and Nationality Bill and the Police and Crime Bill. Um, borders and Nationality, because of its brutality towards the treatment of people and the threat to the citizenship of potentially several million people, because they don't have they have apparently the right to a citizenship in another country. And the Home Secretary would be empowered to take it away, uh, which is, in my view, very dangerous. And also the pushback on um, refugees and asylum seekers. And we also have the police and crime, which um, will control the right to protest, demonstrate um, and so on. Think of where that leads to, ultimately, and it's it's a very bad place indeed. And so the far right have been active in our society, and essentially the politics of the Conservative Party, and this has influenced the Labour Party as well, we can't deny it, has been driven by the sort of mentality of Nigel Farage and the right in British politics for about 10 years now. The, uh, the, the constant sort of carping about a notion of Britishness, which is not something you or I would recognise, and the way in which that they have um, mobilised a fundamentally racist force within, in our society. And the far right have grown. There's no question about that. They've grown more in the Netherlands and Germany, Austria, Poland, Hungary, Slovakia, and Czech Republic more than here, but they have grown here as well. And I worry that young people in the sense of desperation might say, well, actually, hang on, what we need is a bit more control and so on and so on to give us security. It's a very powerful, but very dangerous message. Security comes from the strength of a community, not from the power of the state. Um, And so we, need to be stronger and probably much more active. But then look at it another way. There's a lot of industrial disputes going on at the moment over fire and rehire, over wage claims, and um, the funding of local government is going to lead to, I believe, massive industrial disputes with very important care workers and, and others within our society. And the unions are actually winning a lot of these disputes on fire and rehire, winning Clark's Shoes, winning to some extent in British Gas and other places. And so there is a countervailing community source of young working class people joining unions and being active in them. It's not total, it's not as strong as I'd like it to be, but it is there. So it is up to us to be involved in all of these uh, these issues and these campaigns. now. As to what happens in the Labour Party, obviously my view is the Labour Party ought to be presenting an alternative which is based in socialist ideas and socialist principles, which is what I was trying to present, but also uh, as a movement it has to be democratic and accountable. Now um, many people are very critical of some things I did or didn't do as a leader. I didn't throw my weight around in the party over individuals and behaviour. Um, what I did was try to promote democracy and accountability in the party. That is a longer term plan. Maybe maybe things could have been done differently. History will have to judge on that. But I always felt that the legacy I wanted to leave was one of an empowered and democratic Labour movement for the future. Um Now, obviously, things have changed a great deal and I'm in a different position in that I'm still not a member of the Parliamentary Labour Party. That itself is outrageous in my view. Um, But um, through the Peace and Justice Project, I'm helping to mobilise people with the... 40,000-plus people we've got signed up to it, mobilise them in supporting local campaigns and all the campaigns going particularly, and this is the key, media. Think of the power, not just of the voice of mainstream media through TV, through radio, through certain newspapers. Yeah, that's important. But it's the algorithms that are used in social media which drive us in certain directions. Some of it's quite funny, you know. You, you I occasionally look at stuff on um, on YouTube of um, historic railways, so I'm interested in railway history. And suddenly I thought, why am I getting all these puff things for railway history shows and railway history films? He realise I'm being followed by a computer, which is deciding how my mind is working. Now, that's very powerful, and that's been used by Trump And I believe it was used by the Tories in the last two general elections. And it's very, very powerful and very, very dangerous because we have this illusion of the universality and the freedom of the internet and social media. But the reality is our thoughts are being directed and controlled. And so um, we're looking to do a lot more on the question of accountability, control and freedom of the media, because if we don't, then generation after generation is gonna be brought up teaching to hate themselves or hate other people. And it's very dangerous and very powerful. It's really weird. Here we are, 21st century, we've never had such technology available to us. We've never had the ability to pick up a mobile phone, pick pick up this and access almost any information anywhere in the world. And what do we do? Follow the Daily Mail.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I think I think the left um, coming in on that need. We need to use our platforms and come together. Um yes. And even even small, you know, like Tom and I with our podcast. Um. But we can all play our part, can't we? With that. Um. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, young the younger generation in particular do tune in more
2: to the public. Absolutely. Concert. Well, young people don't watch television or read newspapers. I, I don't mm-hmm. know about you, Sal, but when I go to public meetings, when we, when we used to have lots of them before the COVID, I often would do a straw poll and say, how many of you buy a newspaper? And if it was a young person's meeting, like nobody, it would only be older people who would ever buy a newspaper. And then in, now I ask how many watch television very few of young people information all comes again from these all comes from mobile phones and um and social media now social media can be a good place it can also be a very dangerous place and so it is up to us to share each other's platforms and that is something that we in this project want to do and um I use the international example since Tom mentioned the international side of things, that in the um, run-up to the election in Chile on Sunday when Boric, the left candidate, is up against um, essentially a derivative of the Pinochet years, Mm. so it's a pretty crucial election for Chile's point of view, everybody's sharing their platforms in order to get a united message across. It can be done.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And we need to do the same here in support of um, campaigns. And so uh, winning a pay rise, winning an increase in statutory sick pay for everybody actually make, makes it much easier to win the next dispute. And I said the people in Liverpool, when we had that dispute in Liverpool University in August, where we won... And these teachers were all reinstated, who'd lost their jobs. Uh, I said, thank you for what you've done, because your victory here in Liverpool will make the victories in every other college, university that much easier. And now the big fight on in, in London is on transport funding. That will have implications for transport funding all over the country.
1: I'm so glad that you're still you're still getting in there, Jeremy. And uh, I mean, Tom and I have just been saying you're you're still like the opposition. <laughs> you know, you're still like Lotto that we you know something big happens and we wait for a statement for you to. You've always got the finger well, on
2: the. Top the and, I put a statement out on a couple of days ago after the vote in the House, and I had six million. Yeah, it. yeah, six, because six million, a
1: lot yeah. of people yeah because people know that you well i mean for me it's consistency as well with a politician that oh. you've got a track record you look at a politician's voting record you look at the way they've lived their life you look at what their campaigns have been mm. um and now the the peace and justice project and mm. and all of those um you know kind of campaigns that you're involved in especially with the media are just so relevant and so yeah, important absolutely. and i think that that's you know how 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 do you see the future, Jeremy, for democratic socialism? I mean, obviously, you've got this project going, and I'm working with this uh, alliance of the new um, uh, radical left parties and campaign groups. I
2: know, and um, uh, we're delighted to work with you as well, Thelma. And it was great seeing you in Brussels and um, yes. all the wonderful people we met there.
1: Oh, wasn't and, it uplifting? I mean, the thing is, so, Jeremy. The, the the applause you got there you know when it I mean from the contacts and the networking you've already got and the respect people had for you there internationally because it wasn't just European representatives there was it um and it, it really was uplifting and and what you were talking about with the growth of the far right etc what came through to me was that message that we need to come together across borders to combat that all there were
2: right. some, some brilliant people there. remember those young people from Poland uh, yeah. where there is a very strong, very active right, and they'd been there to try and support refugees coming in from Belarus and been abused and threatened and so on. Was, I just thought they were so so gr- so brave, that group of people.
1: Yeah.
2: And there were many from all over Europe. I thought it was absolutely fascinating couple of days that we were there. I, I learned a lot from all of that.
1: So did I. I mean, I'm new to I'm new to that kind of forum, and uh, so it was a real privilege to be there. But I just wanted to emphasise the, the warmth of the welcome you had and the response you. you had, um, and it just frustrates me a bit with you know what happens. Uh, well, in Labour's P R P and their attitude and and that lack of. Uh, Respect. Sometimes uh, yeah. that I know thousands of people know you deserve um, you. merit. Um, you. But uh, but yeah, there is a future. And we, we were we were just saying, Tom and I. It's two, it was two years last weekend. Obviously, since the the GE uh, in 2019. But I, this year, yeah, obviously that day's not good to remember. But but now I'm much more positive about what we can do. Um because socialism doesn't go
2: away, does it? <laughs> it's never going to go away because it's so it's so obvious. It's such an obvious way of running society. Listen, you remember Dennis Skinner once said something very wise. Margaret Thatcher was um speaking about the environment and the ozone layer in terms of being a landlord on a leasehold property because that would be margaret thatcher's mindset she couldn't think of anything else other than property ownership and uh, and leaseholders and said it's a fully repairing lease we've got on the uh, on the planet which everybody was a bit puzzled by this remark and it, this was in the context of the hole in the ozone layer and dennis skinner gets up and says You'll not fix the, ho- the hole in the ozone layer with a man, a bike, and an enterprise allowance. It can only be de- <laughs> it can only be done by collective action. And obviously, we're not going to be able to deal with the environmental crisis if we let the free market run run riot. Which is why I was in Glasgow with our project. We had a week of events, which were um, of mobilising communities and people into action for biodiversity action for green jobs action for sustainability and action for education in sustainability but then take it a stage further we're going to have to ask ourselves some quite fundamental questions about consumerism in society because a market economy relies on a high level of consumption and an increasing level of consumption therefore an increasing growth of waste when you can recycle More and we should, but you know that's what it relies on. It doesn't rely on sustainability of the environment, and so we then got to ourselves a question: We have the technology to work less and live better, but you can't do it on a society that is so grotesquely unequal as Britain or the United States. You can only do it if you start to guarantee the living standards and the life opportunities of the entirety of the population. You can't do that in a free market economy. So you have to change the system. There has to be guaranteed support for everybody in in life. There also has to be much greater global equality. Why are there so many refugees? 70 million now in the world. War, human rights abuse, environmental degradation, grotesque levels of economic inequality are all the driving forces of that. You're not going to defeat that barbed wire and electronic fences you're only going to be able to change that by a change in the mindset and a change in the way we look at the world's economy so socialism is so obvious
1: yeah yeah it is and uh i'm just so glad i've learned so much from you jeremy and uh you still inspire me and and loads of socialists and we're not going away are we no we're not
2: Uh, no we're not going (laughs) away anywhere (laughs)
1: <laughs> no okay. no, yeah thanks thanks ever so All much All right. you're
2: very welcome
1: <laughs>
0: yeah yeah and I Tom, hope you both you
2: have a lovely to... Christmas
0: I'll tell you yes, what can great. I just ask you one very small sure thing, Tom go ahead Jeremy let's won't take a minute I once heard you tell a story uh, about when you um put a plaque up on the wall in the House of Commons yeah, yeah. I don't uh, do you mind telling me that story again?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, well, as you know, Tony Bennett and I were great friends, and um, uh, he wanted to remember Emily Wilding Davidson as one of the suffragettes who was um, very much of the left, because they weren't all of the left by any means. I mean, Sylvia Pankhurst was, but you wouldn't really say her mother or her sister were. Um <laughs> Emily was very much uh, of the I suppose you call it the radical end of the suffragettes anyway um she hid herself in the in a broom cupboard in parliament in 1910 so that she could re- record herself on the census as being a woman in the house of commons so she hid in this broom cupboard and um uh then record yourself on the census and it was seen as a, a bit of a blow against the establishment. It was quite a clever thing to do. Um Anyway, so Tony said he wanted to put this plaque up in her memory. And, and I said, well, then you don't ask because they'll never give you permission. You know, you imagine, you, can, you know this, Thelma, you can imagine there's loads of committees that say, woo, 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 woo. can't do any of that. So Tony said, well, why don't we go and put it up one night? I said, yeah, sure. OK. So Tony went off somewhere and got a plaque made and then. We agreed that we'd put it up one night. Now, Parliament finished that night about sort of 10, 10.30. So Tony said, let's do it tonight. Okay, said, all right. So we go over to his car um, and we get this toolbox out, which has got electric drill in it and various tools and so on. And he's got a bag with the plaque and so on. And the building is pretty well deserted by this time. Everybody's kind of gone home, but there's still policemen around. So as we're walking through um, through Star Chamber Court to go over to the chapel in Westminster Hall, this policeman appears from nowhere. And I thought, oh, God, you know. So I think, oh, God, this, is, this isn't this is going to end well. So he said, are you OK, gents? I said, we're absolutely fine, thanks. He said, oh, OK said, are you going home? I said, no, no, we're staying for a bit. He said, oh, yeah. I said, we're going to the chapel. He said, a lovely place to go at this time of night. So he said, "Um, can I carry your bag for you? Meaning this toolbox that I was carrying. I said, no, no, it's fine, thanks. It's not heavy. I'll carry it. So Tony sort of grunted something at him. So Tony then said, oh, but could you do us a favour and get the keys for the chapel and open them, open it for us? So this police officer then goes off to where the keys are kept and brings the key back and opens the door for the chapel and lets us in and turns on all the lights. And he said, I hope you um, I hope it goes well for you down there because it's down the steps. You've been there. And... Um, and then he says, "Be sure to lock the door when you leave." So I said, "Okay, thank you very much, officer. It's very, very kind of you." But there's no need to wait. So he, he then disappears. So Tony and I go down into chapel, into the broom cupboard, get his electric drill out, all the rest of it, <laughs> drill the holes, put the plaque up, and all the rest of it. It's fine. I wish we'd had mobile phones in those days. We were taking pictures of it straight away. So we, <laughs> we, great. We, put it, we put it up there, and then. <laughs> Tony, bless him, gets up the next day in Parliament on a point of order and announces the plaque has been put up. Big fuss. You know, who are you to start defacing the building and so on? But the interesting thing was it's in this broom cupboard where the cleaning equipment is kept, and it was polished every day by the cleaners. And Uh now... This is like a sort of, it's now a marketing thing for the House of Commons. There's big information (laughs) sheets outside showing how it was put up and why it was put up Mm -hmm. and who Emily Wilding-Davidson was.
1: Yeah, part of history. Amazing. What an amazing story. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, well, we've taken up so much of your time. Lovely, guys. It's been brilliant.
2: Have a lovely Christmas and New Year, won't you?
1: And you. I'm just going to leave you um, with the words of of Tony Benn. There is no final victory as there is no final defeat. There is just the same battle to be fought over and over again. So toughen up, bloody toughen up.
2: And i just add, if Tony had said that with me, I'd said, Tony, don't be so depressing. Let's be optimistic and hopeful, because the next battle will be more fun than the last one.
1: <laughs> Solidarity, Jeremy. Thank you so
2: thanks much, Thanks a lot. Jeremy. Lovely to meet you, Tom. Thanks Brilliant. a lot. Thanks, Sel. So. Okay, thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. Have a lovely Christmas. Bye. <laughs>
1: Bye.
0: So there we are. That's our Christmas special and uh, thank you very much for listening hope you enjoyed it it was uh, really nice to do and uh, yeah i really enjoy doing these podcasts. and uh, hope you all enjoy listening to them so um, if you can and if you want to please share uh please subscribe um it means a lot subscribing because it pushes us up the ratings a bit i think um and also if you want to leave a review that would be great too and uh yeah we'll be back in the new year with more great guests and more Spot on left-wing politics. Okay, thank you.